Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. My name is Terry Fletcher. So I am back from vacation. It was amazing. So thank you very much for everyone that texted me or direct messaged me and said, I hope you're having a good time. Relax. Well, I am very relaxed. And now it's time to get back to the grindstone. So in our episode this week, I'm actually going to take a little bit of a left turn. And I'm actually going to thank a a fellow colleague of mine and also somebody who is on the NSCHBC uh, membership with me. And that's Rosemond Bapat. And she does a really nice job. She's also a medical consultant and, um, you know, puts out information that I thought is really, really well done. And so I was looking at some of the things that she put out in her recent newsletter, and it was something that I also wanted to bring up in a podcast. So I'm going to kind of pull from a little bit from her information and also integrate some of mine, because I noticed that we're finding some problems, which actually can lead to coding errors as well. And you probably haven't thought about it. But this is when we're dealing with the front desk. And so I really want to talk about some of those elements of the front desk that also can help you not only in the back office, but also with your coding billing revenue cycle management, because let's face it, this is the first front line that the patient's going to have an introduction to the practice. And the front desk is just as important as the billing office, the back office, the physician, because they are also named on a lot of payer surveys. And so we need to make sure that this is really tightened up. And just from friends of mine and different people I've talked to lately, they're also very frustrated with the fact that there are front desk people out there that don't understand what customer service is. So if you start in the front desk, you're probably going, I totally get what you're saying. If you are a front desk person that's listening to the CodeCast podcast, we are happy to have you. But maybe there's time that you maybe need, um, I don't know, maybe a check in just to say, okay, you know what, I do maybe need to check some attitude there. Or maybe you're thinking about getting a job in healthcare and there's no coding jobs. And you're thinking, what about starting at the front desk? Well, first of all, you have to make some personal perspectives before you decide what you want to do as far as a job in the field. If it's want to start at the front desk, which those are needed right now, front desk people are definitely needed. Um, But also consider yourself a patient. Have you ever called a doctor's office and dealt with a rude person on the other side? Or were you put on hold for what seems like forever? Even with telehealth now, we're seeing that those visits you're put into kind of a, a cloud waiting room that nobody ever seems to remember you're there. So this is very common as far as um, not having good customer service because medical practices, remember, they're inundated with phone calls from patients wanting to make an appointment, uh, ask a health question, refill a prescription. Many think that they have direct access to the physician and they don't understand schedules. And they also think that the person on the phone knows all the answers. So what can frustrate patients is that when they call the office, they don't get first an adequate response, but also they don't get a timely response or somebody's just brushed off. The other thing you have to keep in mind is a lot of patients now are calling the front desk expecting to get copies of their records. Cures Act and the information blocking and the new rules regarding access to you know electronic protected health information uh, that became effective October 6th, there's a lot of frontline contact with the patient, especially through the front desk. And so the fact is the front desk staff that handle calls from patients, a lot of times are way too busy because the front office is generally short staffed. 
In addition, there can be a severe lack of training for front desk staff, which I've seen quite a bit, mainly because the position is a revolving door and management doesn't always invest in time and effort to train the front desk or pay them well enough. And that, you know, many good hardworking employees leave the practice or have moved on or, you know, that's their starting kind of point. And then they've moved on to a different position because they do not receive support or a roadmap to be successful there. You know, not everybody can be a coder. Not everybody can be a biller, a collector, a, a CDI specialist, an auditor, a consultant, you know, and we need really good, effective front desk people. You know, when I started my career in healthcare, over 35 years ago, I was at the front desk. And yes, I was a teenager. And I loved seeing the patients come in. And you know, talking to them even created some personal relationships with them. I have a best friend from a physician's office that I messed at, um, that I met, and we are still friends to this date. And so, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of, I remember there were no, there was no training. They're like, okay, so here's the, and this is the pegboard system. Here is our paper appointment book. And uh, here's a pencil, make sure you erase everything completely. And off you go. So now you've got EMRs and, you know, electronic health record systems. And you've also got uh, different digital platforms for, you know, uh, accessing or contacting patients and them contacting you. So training is of the utmost importance right now. And, you know, I make it a point to offer training to my clients, not just for coding billing reimbursement, but also when it comes to uh, front desk, customer service, revenue cycle management, etc. So first of all, when you talk about customer service, and I'm going to kind of give you some fine points here. Front desk personnel are voice and face of the practice, and you know that and play a key role in the success of any practice. Again, they are also frequently part of the questions that you see on a payer survey, so it's important to get it right. And medical practice, you're also a business. And remember, your patients are customers and they're seeking services for what they're paying. And so you have to really understand what it means to provide great customer service to every patient, not just the ones you like. (laughs) So it's all patients. And remember, they're not coming in happy. Nobody wants to go to the doctor's office. I know I'm grumpy when I have to go, mostly if I have to go to the dentist, but that's where you have to have some empathy and understand they don't want to be there. They have to be there. So first, have a pleasant attitude about your job. Keep a smile on your face when you're speaking on the phone or face-to-face with a patient. Put a mirror at your desk if you want to see what you look like. I've had a couple of practices do that. And one gal told me that she didn't realize she grimaced all the time. She's like, boy, if I was a patient coming and see me, I wouldn't like it. Always be willing to help as well. Let me give you an example. I was in a practice recently and uh, probably within the last year. And actually, I was going there for myself because I had um, skipped a step and, and hurt my hip. And it was interesting because it was an orthopedic practice. A man came in, at least 20, 25 years older than I was, and he had a cane with him, walking very slow, coming up to the front desk. You could tell he was very challenged with his mobility. And they handed him a clipboard and paperwork and a pen and said, go sit over there, and then looked back down. Who does that? Well, apparently this orthopedic practice. So I got up another patient. I wasn't there in the capacity as a consultant and said, let me help you and walked him over to a chair. And all they did was look up and smile like, oh, good, she's handling it. That's not okay. You have to be able to want to help your patient and make them comfortable. 
Educate yourself with basic duties of the job. If you're front office or want to be front office, talk to your advisor and or who your supervisor would be and say, do you have a job description? Did you know most practices don't for the front desk? They just expect you to learn from osmosis, I guess, just from, a, you know, on the job training, which is true that could happen but some of it has to be at least given a list of what the expectations are expectations are huge because if they're expecting you to fulfill certain duties and you don't know what they are you're setting yourself up um, for not for success but for defeat and then be efficient and efficient means complete tasks get to your job at least 15 minutes early. So if you have to punch in or check in, or if you're somebody that has to turn on lights and turn on the coffee pot or whatever you have to do, check bathrooms to make sure that the cleaners came the night before, et cetera. Um, you know, now with COVID pro protocols, did everything get done correctly? Is there, it, were the rooms, um, you know, fully stocked? You know, so front desk does a lot more things than you think. And I realize a lot of that is back office as well. But when you are front office staff, you're pretty much the first one that gets there. And so lights on, you know, how does the how does the waiting room look? Let's call it the reception area. I know a colleague of mine, David said, he hates it when I call things a waiting room. Patients shouldn't have to wait, but they do. And so they're looking around your, your reception area. Um, are the magazines at least stacked correctly? Do you have good utensils for the patients to be able to fill out that paperwork if they didn't do it online prior to being there? So efficiency is more than just your job. It's also being efficient in making sure the patients can do their you know, administrative responsibility as well. Then we move on to revenue cycle management. So believe it or not, and I agree with Roman on this one, revenue cycle begins with the front desk. Absolutely. They are often the first touch point for the patient. Front desk person does not have to know the entire billing cycle, but you need to know what a insurance card looks like. You need to know the difference between um, being a preferred provider uh, or an in-network provider versus out-of-network, especially with the No Surprise Act now. You need to know what a consent form looks like, so the patients are signing them, what a HIPAA form looks like for privacy, and knowing what a complete form is. Also, are you scanning those papers the patients are filling out? Are they putting down their post office box instead of a physical address? Is the address tied to their insurance card? So I have both. I have a business address. I have a personal post office box because I don't want, you know, mail stolen, even though I'm in a pretty safe neighborhood. Plus I have my home address and it seems like every possible holiday catalog is already starting to come. But my point is, is that, is that address tied to my insurance card? And you would need to note it at the front desk as well. So you're obtaining accurate demographics. Uh, for insurance information for the patient, you may be at the front desk entering that information into your management system. And if you're making an appointment, entering information, responding to a patient at the front desk, trying to make it a, you know, another appointment, plus somebody on the phone, plus a request from a physician, plus another employee asking you a question, you turn away and then somebody else got in your computer, efficiency has just gone downhill. So it's really important that when you're entering information to without errors, that people know that don't touch my computer if I'm in front of it <laughs> and make that very clear. Uh, communication, patient out-of-pocket responsibility. You need to be confident and knowledgeable in that information. I know sometimes that's hard, but at least with copays and positive, like how do you want to pay? Not you don't want to pay your copay today. It's more how would you like to pay your copay today? As a front desk person, one thing you need to know 
a lot of there's a lot of different ways to pay their bills at this point, pay their out of pocket and their share of cost. Some patients like to use cash apps. So Venmo, they like to use um, Trell, they like to use what's another one? Um, uh, PayPal, things like that. Well, if you're using those uh, public way, public formats, then they are also public uh, visualized, especially Venmo. And I know a lot of people use that are cash app. And patients will start to get marketing material from those cash apps. So make sure that you have them choose the private option when they pay if they really don't want that information public that they just went to a certain physician's office. That is really hard to understand for some practices because they forget. So those kinds of things are really important. And then direct patient to the right person if you do not know the answer or an answer to the question. Or if the patient needs an immediate question, please be very positive, be very you know polite. Ask them to take a quick seat, go find the person that might have the answer or tell them you, know, you will find the answer and try to do it when they're there instead of saying, I'll call you back because nobody thinks you're gonna call them back. And people will wait, they'll wait by the phone, they'll wait to see, and then they start calling you or texting you or saying, you know, I didn't get a call back. And people are impatient, especially patients who need information. So if you can do it while the patient's in the office, that's really helpful. And then the last thing I want to touch on is HIPAA compliance. And I'm sure you've heard me talk about HIPAA over the years on the podcast, on the different um, podcasts that I'm also a guest on now. We always talk HIPAA. But all employees in the practice must be trained on HIPAA compliance annually. I like to do it every six months to ensure that protecting health information is a top priority. So a couple things to be aware of. Do not leave sign-in sheets visible to other patients. It's not their responsibility to know who's in the uh, who's in the waiting room, or it should say it's none of their business. And so you want to make it a sticker if you're having people sign in manually, and then you pull that sticker off and then put it on your schedule. Um, that's hopefully on the the top of the desk for the for the back office staff. Verify the patient information that can easily not be overheard. So you should have a private area for that. Um, do not leave your computer attended or visible with patients, you know, unauthorized information that somebody could view. Try to lock your computer when leaving your desk as well, or, or make sure that there's a timeout of at least, you know, to eight to 10 seconds so that it basically goes black and somebody can't get in without password protection. Do not leave any paper or files of the patient's information on the desk where others can reach or see it. Be careful of that in telehealth visits too. We just had a, via, a, a HIPAA breach in a practice that said, you're not going to believe what happened. And I'm like, try me. And I believed it because they didn't have that, um, you know, protected. Always shred all paper with patient's health information on it or protected health information. When it's not in use, when it's not going back into um, a file, if it's, you know, if you're all EHR, EMR, and you just had to print it off for a specific reason, then at that point it has to be shredded. Do not discuss treatment information in the reception area. Again, there has to be some kind of private area, which brings me to another thought. Sometimes we have staggered lunches at the front desk. And if you're a bigger practice, you've usually got three or four people at the front desk and it will say, okay, well, these two are going to go now and then those two go later. Not everybody does this, but a couple times you'll go out to lunch, which is fine. Just remember, you cannot talk about patients when you're out to lunch, especially if you're going locally, because remember, some patients did the same thing. They're waiting, let's say you have an independent testing facility and they're waiting their turn. They didn't want to go all the way home or a patient who came a far, you know, kind of a far way. And so they're going to one of your local restaurants. Sometimes patients schedule their appointments because 
because you have a restaurant that's close to someplace they haven't been in a while and they want to go there and they can overhear your conversations. And if you're wearing uniforms like scrubs or anything like that, they'll know what office you're from. And so they sometimes will try to hear your conversations. So as a front desk or anybody actually who's a healthcare professional working in a practice, they leave those conversations in the office and leave them out of earshot it's not something you should be talking about anywhere and don't bring them home as well. So that's going to be really important. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about from the front desk. I just thought it was time for an update on that. And we can always use a tune up in any, any kind of specialty, any kind of delivery of medicine and wherever we are within a clinic. Now it wouldn't be to code cast if we didn't also do a coding question. And this coding question talks about excisional debridements. Now there's two different kinds. There's the subcutaneous, which is muscle and bone, or could be both, 11042 to 11047. And then there is the 11010 to 11012, and that's the foreign material with open fracture dislocation uh, depth. And we don't always get that open fracture question, but I got one today. It says, Terry, I had an open fracture patient, was debrided of all necrotic tissue and debris down to the bone. How do I code for that? Well, that would be 11012. And then the question was, do I need a modifier with the fracture code? No, because there is no um, bundling guideline. There's no edit. So again, that would be 11012. And I do see this missed quite a bit with open fracture codes or dislocation codes um, when there also is an excisional debridement. So remember, there is are three levels. One is skin and subcutaneous tissue. One is skin, subcutaneous tissue, muscle, fascia, and muscle. And then one is skin, subcutaneous tissue, muscle, fascia, muscle, and bone. So make sure that the report has that detail in it. But if you're orthopedic or primary care and you're dealing with open fractures, plus you're dealing with uh, having to debride that area, make sure you are looking at those codes because that could be a revenue loss that you weren't not aware of. Okay, my personal tidbit this week, besides the fact that I came back with a tan from Hawaii, <laughs> just have, you know, it's funny because it was really a mind vacation. And, you know, I've been talking about the, you know, we now have a pool in our backyard. It's just nice to be able to get outdoors with a purpose. So, you know, going in the pool, trying to move a little bit more and really trying to kind of connect with nature a little bit, especially because we need to unplug. We do. So for those of you that, and it's football season for me, so I'm always watching football. Again, TVs, phones, um, you know, iPads, devices, laptops, our computers, you, you name it, we are plugged in. And I would just really challenge you to try to unplug once in a while because it'll make all the difference in the world. Also, a couple of new podcasts that you may not be aware that I'm also hosting and part of. Uh, one is called the My Home HQ with Ray Fletcher. That's my brother. And we've done uh, four episodes so far. And it's all things real estate, investment. Um, he is a realtor in the Portland, Oregon area. And we have a great time with that. Also, my WTF podcast, which is my weekly uh, during the season Steelers podcast. I say Steelers, but I really talk about what's happening around the league. And the reason it's WTF, what the football. And then obviously, don't you're obviously listening to my CodeCast, but don't forget about my Business Collective podcast, which is about becoming an entrepreneur from a, an employee, and it's really in the healthcare space. And then also uh, the 
NSCHBC Edge podcast. I am part of that and I host that and we do business of medicine. And then believe it or not, I'm on two more. Uh, with Sean Weiss, I have the uh, Terry Tuesday, which is on his compliance guy. We talk about audits and compliance. And then also the compliance roundtable where there's usually five of us that uh, talk and have <laughs> heated discussions, at least what I'm on <laughs> about what is compliant, how you can be complicit in some things, and making sure that you're not just best practices, but doing things so you don't have to go on defense and hire somebody that has to back you up in a court of law. So check out any or all of those. And we hope to again, see you back on our over 402,000 downloads on the CodeCast podcast. So everyone make it a great day, a great rest of your week. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer, Joe Kuzma. Music producer, Assassin Music.